Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 56, recorded June 25th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Grant. In today's episode, learning lock picking in college, Eva Dual Gut Key, the Bosnian Bill situation, Key Blank History, an Emhart Club, first pick of the Muel, Martin Newton's new rotary disc pick, new book by Dave McGomey, lock picking criminals, sales, and giveaways. You can subscribe to the audio version of this show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find an app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. YouTube and some apps limit the length of show notes and the links I can put in, but you can always find full show notes with all the links at thelocksportscast.com. You can find video clips of some of the stories discussed on our Clips YouTube channel. Link will be in the show notes. Start off with some announcements as usual. First off, I'm recording this early due to my work schedule. So if you sent me information and it's not in this episode, I may still cover it next week. It just takes me some time to get all the information and links together so that I can give a, a decent presenting of the issue or story. So um, I have to start well before I actually record. So I apologize if I missed your story this week. I want to say thanks to Starry Lock for sharing the Lock Sportscast Clips channel on his shout-out Monday last week. I really appreciate it, but I do also feel a little bit guilty because there are a lot of other uh, new channels that could probably use his shout-out. So, thank you, though. I appreciate it. Also, congrats to the winners of my giveaway for April and May. I forgot to announce them last week. Those winners of the actual draw were Panda Frog and Pocket Woman but both have donated their locks to another lock sporter. Panfrog had his sent to Dusty and Windy, and Pocket Woman had her sent to Chris Capoon. Very kind of you both, and a good demonstration of the spirit of this community. I wanted to quick go over my internal giveaway sharing rules, just in case some of you were wondering why a giveaway you sent to me might not have been shared. I will share a giveaway if it's shared with me by the host, or if the rules or video ask for the giveaway to be shared explicitly, you know, share this on Twitter or share this with your, you know, whatever. If it's in the rules to share it, I will understand that to be a public giveaway. I may not share it if I don't have one of those criteria criteria filled, and I definitely won't share it if I if those two aren't satisfied and the host says anything implying that this is a thank you to subscribers or viewers. I'm just going to have to default on that to they probably want it to be to people that already subscribed and are seeing it on their own, and they want to keep it a little more exclusive. It's it's just a thing I have because I know some people don't want their giveaway shared publicly. So if you want a giveaway shared, share it with me directly. If you have somebody else's giveaway that you want shared, ask them to share it with me or share it with me and then ask them to give me permission. I don't really have time to keep reaching out to everybody trying to find their contact information, reach out to them to ask for permission, so I probably won't. I apologize, but um, I do have to limit the amount of time I spend on this podcast a little bit. Also, the Lock Sportscast has been registered for the People's Choice Podcast Awards in the Hobbies category. It looks like they will begin voting July 1st. To be clear, I don't expect to win. 
But I would appreciate if you would go to the podcastawards.com and vote for the Lock Sportscast. Um, it's podcastawards.com. I don't have a big enough audience to realistically compete in that category, but I'm really interested in how they run the system for ideas on how to improve the Lockie Awards that I'm doing. So anyway, and it'd be interesting to see just how far I can get with a small audience, but I don't expect to actually win. But I still would appreciate the votes and feedback on how their system works. So thank you in advance. Also, on the subject of the Lockie Awards, uh, I put out the rec- the idea of a art contest last week for the new logo for the Lockie Awards. I have had absolutely zero interest expressed in taking part in that. I will probably still post it to social media and see if anybody there has any interest, but at this point, it looks like it's probably a dud idea and won't go anywhere. Um, I'll keep posted if it, if it does. In corrections and additions, I just wanted to say um, I apologize for always mispronouncing everybody's names. It's something I'm endeavoring to do better. I'm really bad about it, especially with online usernames, and I don't know if there is a way to improve on that or not, since they're never spelled in a way that seems to lend itself to proper pronunciation. And even if it does, I'm so bad with pronunciation anyway. I'm probably going to get it wrong, so I apologize in advance for when I screw up your name. First off in the news, I ran across an article that was titled, New Cybersecurity Concentration Gives App State Students the Skills to Combat Hackers. And this really is just a kind of a promo article, but I found it interesting for one specific reason. This is out of Boone, North Carolina. Chris Taylor is a computer hacker, and he teaches his students the tricks of the trade. With the best of intentions, Taylor, a professional security specialist and senior lecturer in Appalachian State University's Department of Computer Information Systems, is spearheading the department's new cybersecurity concentration that begins in fall 2021. And down in the article, the part that caught my attention was it says, in his classes, Taylor teaches hands-on skills from from physical lockpicking to digital security applications. Taylor explained, It is our job to expose all vulnerabilities, including physical access. We use lockpicking tools in the classroom so students can see how they work firsthand and understand the importance of overall security within an organization. So I thought that was pretty cool. A more integrated, full security type class, as well as being able to learn lockpicking and get credit for it. And on Twitter, iFisk tweeted, in case you didn't know about these old the National Locksmith Trade Journals on here and had a link to archive.org. Continued, kind of dated, but a lot of info that is still highly relevant nowadays. So I went over there and I checked and it looks like they currently have issues from 1988 to 2005. I don't know if that is a complete set from that time frame, but they do have some spanning from 1988 to 2005. In case you're interested, you can head over there Link in the show notes. And in community news, first off, congratulations to LockNoob for reaching 70,000 YouTube subscribers. Really, really amazing stats. Good job on that. You've earned every single one of those. And there's a new post on Tool's Black Bag blog entitled New Tool Eva Dual Gut Key. I'll read part of it here just to tease you. 
The Eva Dual is a lock with 12 spring-loaded sliders and two sidebars, one on each side. It is exceptionally hard lock to pick. Rainder, a gifted picker, found gutting of the Dual error-prone and devised a tool to help with gutting the lock instead. Rainder was kind enough to allow inclusion of the pictures and STL under the CCBY 4.0. So that's a Creative Commons license. Anyway, check that one out. Again, link in the show notes or just go to blackbag.tool.nl and just remember to spell tool with three O's. And back on Twitter, Dark Arts Lockpicking tweeted out, has anyone heard from Bosnian Bill? Been three weeks since his last posted video. I Fisk replied, heard mention of this in his last recent video comments and tracked it down a few days ago. Hope it helps put some minds at ease. And I thought I would just, I don't have permission, but I'm going to read this here because I think it's important to the community as a whole. In reply to somebody asking about where you've been, said, I'm taking a break from posting videos for a while. And as you are a supporter, you deserve an explanation. As you may recall, a dear friend recently died from COVID-19, leaving her husband and two children. Unfortunately, her husband also contracted the virus, and, at least initially, it looked like he had a mild case. My wife and I are legal guardians and moved the kids into our house in an effort to keep them from getting sick. As time went on, Rich's illness got worse and he went into intensive care. Two days later, he had to go on a ventilator. He remained on it for six days before recovering enough for a doctor to remove it. He has slowly, very slowly, been recovering and is out of intensive care. The doctor said he will recover, but the lungs are permanently damaged. Long-term effect is unknown, but he is breathing on his own, so that's good news. The doctor expects the recovery and physical therapy to take several months. During his recovery, we are continuing to keep the kids, ages 7 and 9, to be honest. We had forgotten how much time it takes to to care for young kids. It is like keeping wild monkeys in our house. You have to watch them every second because they have an uncanny ability to find, lose, or break, or disassemble your most valuable possessions. Nothing remains in its place. Dishes and utensils are used and cast aside, usually under a piece of furniture. Our house looks like a bomb went off in it. Organization is a distant memory. Keeping young children clean is also impossible because their hands and skin seem to exude this substance that they smear onto every surface. They require assistance for everything from waking up to getting dressed, bathed, fed, and shuffled to wherever you've managed to con into taking them, usually school. While they are gone, you sit around waiting for a phone call telling you that they set something on fire and you find yourself wishing they'd come home so you can watch them. Our peaceful lives have changed with the introduction of these two children, but we wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Despite the challenges, they are truly a joy to have around. Still, if I win the lottery, I'm going to hire about four housekeepers full-time to help Holly and I keep up with them. And therein lies the problem. Time. Something has to give, and making four videos a week is something I simply can't do while these kids are with us. I apologize for that, but I will try to post the occasional video as I find time. So for all of those of you who might have been wondering uh, how things were going with Bill, that is the current situation. And Joshua Gonzalez thought it might be interesting to share the CLK Supplies latest videos. Says they're a good history lesson. The first one is entitled Locksmithing 101 
What No One Tells You About the Industry, Key Blank History Part 1. The description reads, Have you ever wondered why there are so many different key blank part numbers in the locksmithing industry? I know we have. PJ shares the untold history of key blanks and their manufacturers. Learn more about the locksmithing industry and stay tuned for Part 2. Part 2 is out as of this recording. Says, never question key part numbers again. Key blank history part two. And the description on that says, key blank part numbers can be confusing. In the locksmithing industry, there are many versions of key blanks. Knowing which key to order can be difficult. PJ gives you a breakdown of keys, the materials they are made from, and the variations of part numbers with an explanation of why there are so many for the same key. Learn everything you need to know here. So I will have links to both of those episodes in the show notes. I've, I haven't actually had a chance to watch the second one in full, but I did watch the first one, and I found it interesting. And Mick777Oz posted in Reddit, Mhart shirts now available, a club with a difference, says, Okay, so I like Mharts a little too much. Mharts are fairly rare and not exactly cheap. So what I'm wondering is, what do people think about a club with plebeian memberships? Jokes, this includes me. No picking required, just buy a shirt if you want it. I'm hoping to get them screen printed, but that needs a minimum of 20 per order, so I would like the numbers before I order. Shirts would be about $65 Australian, I think that is, or 48.63 US or 40.97 Euro as of the 20th of June, including international shipping. Sadly, shipping is 21 Australian. Maybe this could be improved with bulk shipment. If I can sell a screen print run, there's a giveaway in it. Then he continues, offer for pickers only that want something extra. If you post proof of picking an M-Heart and don't mind spending a little more, you can get a customized shirt. It will have the core on the sleeve turned like it's been picked, and you can get custom artwork, example, your name above the lock face or your logo. Just send the artwork to me as one-offs, and because they will be direct to garment printing with no multiple prints discount, these will be 82 Australian. Again, this is including international shipping, and this is barely more than my cost, he says. It can be a standard club for pickers only if people would rather. The pictures are the first test print, so there are a few improvements to be made, namely in the line weight and on the lock face and hatching on the tensioner, and I might change the bidding for a better cutaway image. Also, I'm offering an option of an STL file with each shirt purchase, so if you have a lock with no key, you can give me your lock's pinning details. I'll send you a 3D model of your key. Please note, I still have to do test print myself, and I only have the 551L2 keyway modeled so far, but this might be a way to replace keys for some of those in Locksport. So anyway, interesting. You can go check that out on the Reddit. Again, link in the show notes. Tsiolkovsky finished the five-part Spherical Cow series that I mentioned in a previous episode. The test was to see if the orientation of the lock made picking more or less difficult. In a tweet, he said, So it's the final part of the Spherical Cow project, and it's been interesting locksport adventure. Be really interesting to see if these can be repeated by others. The video is TSL195, Project Spherical Cow Part 5 Conclusions. So if you've been following the series, you've already seen this, but if you haven't, 
then you can go check it out. The description reads, Welcome to Project Spherical Cal, which is designed to test in the coming weeks if lock orientation really does matter. If you've been watching, then you'll have seen that I've now picked it in eight positions. Yeah, I'm counting 0 and 360 as one position. So what have I learned? And you'll have to watch the video to find out. Mr. Black Magic has made what he thinks is the first video picking of the Muel lock. Plus, he uses a lock cam to demonstrate how the lock and its eight levers function. You can check that out on his channel, video 46. Muel eight levers with false gates, public first picked, gutted and explained, plus lock cam. Says it's French lock with a similar design to the Picard BAK. It's an interesting lock. It's very different from other lock designs. It's an eight-lever lock, but you push the key in to actuate the levers. It looks like a push-key style key, and it actuates the levers, which causes the mechanism to be able to push back and engage. I really can't explain it on this podcast, so you should check out the video. And if you want to know more about these locks, you can check out a video, Moel High Security French Locks, 120 Years of Security by Locksnest which I will also link in the show notes. And the description on that is simply presentation of several well locks dating back to the early 1900s. So anyway, really interesting. And I do recommend you check both of those videos out. But that's bias on my part because I love all these interesting novel mechanisms. And Pocket Woman shared with me a video from Packlock. She said, just came across this video from Packlock showing how to repin their UCS U-pin cylinders It also shows how to search their site for the key bidding using a unique key code stamped on the key, an indirect bidding code, basically. Thought you might find this interesting. And the video is how to pin your UCS U-pin cylinder. Says watch PacPrez explain how simple it is to expand your UCS system. In just a matter of minutes, you can learn how to expand your UCS system whenever you need to. Get your unique pinning order at packlock.com slash UCS slash start. So yes, they use an indirect bidding code, I'm guessing, but then you can look it up on their website. So that's now public information. Uh, Also, this video is dated June 24th, 2021. And I swear I've seen this video before. Did they repost it? Or am I crazy? Uh, Let let me know if any of you have seen this video before, because I could have swore this was up on their site before. Anyway, I like the idea of being able to rekey my locks to all be the same. However, from a customer service point of view, I do think it's a bit risky to trust the general public to do this with limited instruction and no experience without totally screwing up somewhere and then complaining to the customer service line. Just my thoughts on it. I think it's a great, I like the UCS system and I think it's great that they provide the ability to, to rekey. I just think I wouldn't want to work in customer service there. I've worked customer service before, and I could see that being a nightmare. I don't have any in-person meetups to announce this week or any new speedlocks.org speedpicking records, but I do have a few new Lockpickers United belts to announce. First off, we have a new blue belt by Lockcracking. Congratulations, Kraken. And two new purple belts. We have Ada Marie and Spoon both earned purple this week. Congratulations to both of you. For anyone not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, you can head over to the Reddit, uh, which is r slash lockpicking, and you can find the belt ranking information 
page that's listed in their sidebar, and you can find all the details there. That's the official source. If you don't have the patience to read through that, there are a couple of videos you can check out. Lock Pictures United YouTube channel has Mentorship Monday, number three, the belt system. And John Locke has a video called All About the Lock Picking Belt Ranking Systems. You can also check out the Lock Sportscast podcast episode two, which is audio only on that one, called Breaking Rules and Getting the Belt. And any of those can give you a little more insight into what's going on. Now it's time to say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. We'll start off with the people that financially support this show. We have the Patreon subscribers, Bill N., Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starry Lock, Williams Brain, Dave Tubidi Cypher, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PH Picker, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Mog, and John Locke. Thank you to all of you for helping keep the bills paid. Chief content producer for this episode is Cherell, by quite a wide margin, because he sends stuff pretty frequently throughout the week, and my having to do this early kind of cut off a few people. Other content producers for this episode are John Locke, Joshua Gonzalez, Kraken, Lockhack, Lockmaker Tattooer, Mick777Oz, Mr. Black Magic, Panda Frog, Picked It Mate, Pocket Woman, Rune, and Tony Varelli. Thank you to all of you for helping to make the workload a little less for me. I really do appreciate it. Remember, this show is only possible because of information and support from community members like yourself. So if you value the podcast, please help me keep it going by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related. Every one of you has your own unique little part of the lockpicking community that you take part in. So if you get some news from one of those, please share it here so the rest of us will know it. You can send any information you have to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or DM me on social media. You can find all of my contact information at thelocksportscast.com slash contact or locksportscast.com slash support. And don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends. If you are going to an in-person meetup, that's a good opportunity to share the show with some people that might not already know about it. You can leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform or leave a comment and thumbs up on YouTube. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite audio podcast app or YouTube. That's very helpful. And you can donate if you want via PayPal or subscribe on Patreon. If you do subscribe on Patreon for a monthly subscription, you do get a private RSS feed that will get you the episodes a little bit earlier than the rest of the people when I finish editing them, not on the normal Monday release day. For details on how to support the show, just go to locksportscast.com slash support. And if you support the show with donation or information I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show and on the show notes. So thank you very much for your support. Moving on to products, Martin Newton put out a tweet saying, testing a prototype rotary disc pick, very easy to use, 100% success rate, a couple of minor improvements before this goes for a production run. And Rubber Band asked, do you have a projected cost for these? The collector in me is gearing up. And Martin replied, not yet, going to try and make it as affordable as possible. It will depend on numbers. Cost of manufacturing goes down as the numbers go up. Uh, anyway, that's uh, what we have on that. It's a little mysterious, but we'll be looking forward to hearing more information. And then Squelch Tone sent out a tweet saying, New Dave Mikomi book on the life of a safecracker. It's entitled Safecracker, a chronicle of the coolest job in the world and should be available July 1st. The description on Amazon reads, 
Like a character in a Hitchcock movie, Dave McOmey travels the country breaking into bank vaults, cracking jewelry store safes, and decoding unbreakable codes secured deep in government facilities. He's never been arrested or charged with crime because it's his job. Safecracker reveals the shadowy world where tumblers are twirled, skeletons are exposed, and long-standing mysteries are solved. You'll ride shotgun with Dave for one crazy week, beginning with the impenetrable vault in Vegas with a midnight deadline, and ending with Prince's ultra-secure music vault in the basement of Paisley Park. In between are factual stories that read like fiction, drilling the same model ATM from the notorious episode of Breaking Bad, meeting a mystery man from Department of Defense at a remote location to crack two high-security safes, chronicling the corruption and ineptitude that dogged efforts to develop the first electronic safe lock to guard our national secrets, tackling a hundred-year-old antique bank vault in downtown Salt Lake City, and more. What's in all these safes and vaults? Gold and silver, drugs and cash, guns and ammo, family heirlooms, and X-rated paraphernalia, and a few secrets that should have remained secret. Shh. <laughs> Actually, sounds like a really good book. Kind of interested in that. All right, moving on to the crazy locksmith story. This one is a little different. This is half criminal, half lockpicking story, but the locksmith in this ends up right in the middle of it. So that's why I'm putting this here as kind of a cautionary tale to raise awareness and also because it's just an interesting story. Uh, the title of the article I first came across was New Jersey woman uses TikTok to document an extremist group's attempt to steal her home. A woman in New Jersey had a bizarre and terrifying experience when a member of an extremist group tried not only to break into her home, but move in. Shanetta posted on TikTok multiple updates to the story after purchasing her house in February. She had not moved into her new place as it was being renovated. The story began when she received threatening letters from a sovereign citizens group who claimed ownership of her new house. The extremist group has attempted to claim ownership of other properties in the past, claiming an ancestral right having ties to the property. Shanetta was told by her lawyers it was a scam and to disregard the letters. On June 17th, after receiving the keys, she found that they didn't fit the locks. Shanetta called a locksmith, but when she and the locksmith approached the home, they were stopped by four unknown males who were very aggressive and presented paperwork indicating that they held legal rights to the property. Shanetta called the police, who confronted the suspects. The documentation claimed that they were sovereign citizens of the Al-Moroccan Empire, and their status was why they believed they could claim the property as their own. Police confirmed Shanetta was the owner of the home and asked the men to leave. Later that same day, around 2.40 p.m., one of the suspects came back to the home before the locksmith was able to change the locks. He used his key to get into the place and placed a Moorish flag in the window. The Newark Police SWAT team entered the property and took the man into custody. The man now faces charges of burglary, criminal mischief, criminal trespass, and terroristic threats. In one of many TikTok videos, Shinetta sums up her experience, quote, I was randomly but not randomly targeted by a terrorist group that doesn't follow all or doesn't follow any of our rules and would be violent in efforts to steal my house. It's not the sexy crime lifetime shows that you're used to seeing. This was something for me to try to communicate as a cautionary tale that is bizarre and crazy, but it's real life. It happened. And the article says the Southern Poverty Law Center writes, 
Sovereign citizens believe that they, not judges, juries, law enforcement, or elected officials, get to decide which laws to obey and which to ignore, and they don't think they should have to pay taxes. And it's more convoluted than that. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, look up Sovereign Citizens on YouTube, or even more so, in this case, look up Moorish Americans on YouTube, and it's just a crazy rabbit hole you can go down. But it's not a bad idea, especially if you're a locksmith, to perhaps go and just review a couple of the videos so you can see the warning signs of how they talk and what type of things they do so you know when to just step aside and call the police because it could get dangerous. In lockpicking criminal news, out of National City, California, National City's chief of police took a man into custody at gunpoint Wednesday as part of a burglary investigation and pursuit that ended in two more arrests. It started around 5.30 a.m. when dispatchers got a 911 call about three men breaking into a locksmith's kiosk in the South Bay area, South Bay Plaza on East Plaza Boulevard. Officers arrived and got a description of a car that had just left the scene from witnesses. They spotted the sedan and followed it about a half mile to Kimball Park, where the driver apparently tried to escape along a dirt path but collided with equipment near Kimball's State Park. Two men jumped out and tried to run away. One of them made his way to C Avenue, crossing paths with police chief Jose Tellez, who officers said had been headed to work in the department's station nearby. Freelance photographer video shows the chief holding the suspect at gunpoint and ordering him to the ground. Marked patrol cars pulled up behind the arrest and a uniformed officer runs over and to give the chief his handcuffs. Meanwhile, Cardoza says, Officers were able to track down the other two suspects. One was found hiding in the back of a vehicle that led police on a chase through the park. The other was found hiding under a tarp in the backyard near the park. Police dog was sent after that man when he refused to surrender, officer said, and he was bitten in the leg. The man and one other suspect, who apparently got hurt in the initial crash, were taken to the hospital for minor injuries. They will be turned over to authorities once they are treated. The owner of the locksmith business, which arrived to find his kiosk door destroyed, said the thieves had taken some equipment for programming remotes and other tools used for making house and car keys and said, fortunately, they couldn't steal everything because the police were informed that someone was trying to break in. The owner said they got here quickly and I believe they caught three of them. He said thieves had tried to break into his kiosk once before, but, quote, fortunately, they got them. This is life. What can you do? So not technically lockpicking criminals, but stealing from locksmiths and the specific tools they got seems to show their intention to do that at some point in the future. And out of South Wales, a professional car thief in a stolen vehicle crashed into car containing a mum and her young daughters as he fled from police, the court heard. When Stephen Thomas was searched, officers found he had tools of the trade on him, including a lockpick and an electronic car computer reader. The 28-year-old had only been out of prison for a matter of months at the time, having been jailed last year for his part in a 100-mile-per-hour pursuit in another stolen car during which police vehicle was rammed. Sending him back inside, a judge told him his immature and selfish behavior on the night in question could have had catastrophic results. Swansea Crown Court heard that around 9.30 p.m. on May 21st, police in an unmarked car in the 
Penland area of Swansea saw a Ford Fiesta with Thomas at the wheel, which had been reported stolen. Craig Jones, prosecuting, said the officer activated the concealed blue lights on his patrol car and signaled for the Fiesta to stop on Pendery Road, but instead it sped away. He said Thomas raced through Penland along Langy Felich Road before turning into the Clays Estate where he showed scant regard for the rules of the road as he drove at speeds hitting 60 miles per hour through a residential street. The defendant lost the pursuit officer when he drove down a footpath but was located by another police unit minutes later back on Langy Felich Road. As Thomas tried again to get away, he crashed at some speed into a Ford Ka with a woman and two children on board. The defendant was arrested at the scene of the collision and paramedics were called to check on the mom and kids. Mr. Jones said it was fortunate that the youngsters were securely strapped in the back of the car and though knocked around and shaken up, they did not suffer any serious injuries. When Thomas was searched, he was found to be in possession of an OBD reader, an electronic device which plugs into the onboard diagnostic system in a car and allows thieves to deactivate the alarm and encode new keys, as well as what prosecutor termed the more traditional tools of the car thief's trade, including bolt cutters, a lockpick, and an adjustable spanner. At the time of the crash, Thomas was out of prison on license, having been sentenced to 10 months in prison in October 2020 for his involvement in another pursuit. This had seen him and three other career criminals race through Swansea at speeds touching 100 miles per hour in a stolen car, at one stage ramming a police vehicle and injuring the officer inside. The four men ran away from the stolen Ford EcoSport, but were quickly rounded up. They subsequently refused to take responsibility for the driving, and would not say which of the number had been behind the wheel. Stephen Carl Thomas, who goes by the name Stephen Rice, of no fixed abode, had previously pled guilty to aggravated vehicle taking, dangerous driving, driving while disqualified, driving without insurance, and going equipped to commit theft when he appeared in the dock for sentencing. He had he has 20 previous convictions for 42 offenses beginning when he was a youth, including aggravated vehicle taking, theft from vehicles, fraud, driving while disqualified, dangerous driving, handling stolen goods, offenses of violence, criminal damage, being concerned in the production of cannabis, and possession of drugs. Dan Griffiths, for Thomas, said Griffin, or said given the items the defendant had been found in the possession of, the court may conclude his client is a, quote, professional car thief. He said there was little mitigation in the case, save for guilty pleas, that the defendant felt terrible, that a mom and young children had been caught up in the collision, and he wished to apologize. Judge Catherine Richards told Thomas his immature and selfish actions on the night in question could have had catastrophic results. Given the defendant credit for his guilty pleas, the judge sentenced him to a total of 18 months in prison. Thomas will serve up to half that period in custody before being released on license to serve the remainder of in the community. He was disqualified for driving for three years, and his ban was extended by an extra nine months to account for the period he will be behind bars. Uh, certainly appears to be a career criminal there. That's a lot of uh, history. So, well, we can hope he will straighten out when he's released next time. Moving on to sales, uh, Picticmate came up with a code EPG2020. 
25% for 25% off EPG blades at lawlocktools.com. That's the electronic pick gun blades, 25% off at lawlocktools.com. Uh, I don't have information on an expiration date yet. I was going to do a little more more research there but i ran out of time we have the promo code for 15 percent off at dark arts lock picking the dalp.com.au store that's d-a-l-p.com.au it can only be used once per customer expires the first of july 2021 it's d-l-p store zero one d-a-l-p-s-t-o-r-e zero one is the code 15 percent off first purchase at Dalp.com.au. Was that repetitive enough for everybody? (laughs) Uh, 3DLocksport.com, Tony Varelli site. 10% off with the code LSCAST10. That is a special code that he put out just so you guys wouldn't lose out when the last code expired. So thank you to Tony Varelli for doing that. I don't get anything out of any of these codes, by the way. So these are not affiliate codes, just savings for you guys. Mako Lock still gets 15% off with the code by Mako. Uh, again, no expiration known. UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off with the code GIFT, G-I-F-T, no expiration known at this time. Giveaways. LockHack still running the Picking for Good 2021 giveaway slash fundraiser. That ends June 30th. So if you're listening to this early, you still have time to donate or follow the other options to get in the giveaway for that. John Locke still having his 100 subscriber celebration giveaway. Hashtag John Locke 100. You can listen to last episode or go to his video, which will be linked in the show notes. It's 100 subscriber celebration giveaway. Hashtag John Locke 100. And it ends July 11th. Kraken, Lock Kraken. Having his hashtag Kraken June 21 giveaway. Runs to the end of the month, so you still have a little bit of time there. And that one's pretty simple. Give the story of your username while you pick a lock, or if it's your username is your name, just pick a lock and use the hashtag KrakenJune21. Lockmaker Tattooer is giveaway also running to the end of the month, June 30th. Hashtag LMTJune21 Maker Giveaway, giving away a custom made dimple flag. And you can go to his website or you can go to his YouTube channel to get the details on that. Rune picks a challenge lock, and he gives away the challenge lock he picked last week in his Saturday giveaways. So you can go check that out and on his channel, which will be linked in the show notes. Panda Frog, his June 2021 giveaway is still running through the end of the month. So check out his English 191 video, lockpicking giveaway drawing, hashtag PandaFrog21 May, and rules for the hashtag PandaFrog21June giveaway. So go check that out. CLK Supplies has their hashtag LockBoss giveaway, and that runs every week. Lots of good prizes. There'll be a link in the show notes to the page that gives you information on how to enter that. I'm still running my monthly giveaway for a Packlock 100A with my custom logo on it or a $20 gift code to hooligankeys.com. You can find out how to enter that at locksportscast.com slash giveaway for all the rules. But basically, really simply, cut and chase. You supply me with information I can use in the podcast. You get an entry for every bit of information that you supply that I use and in one entry for every episode that it's used in. Also, share the podcast online. If you tag me in it, 
If I find out about it, I will give you an entry. Easiest way, tag me with my social media handle in whatever venue you happen to share it in, and then I will get you an entry. Remember to send me any information you have that's Locksport related, even if you don't think it's important. It might just be the bit of information that I need. If not, no harm done. Remember to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel, whichever is your favorite way of doing it, or both. That's fine with me. Thank you for all of your continued support, all the information you send in every week. For those of you that donate and subscribe on Patreon, I really, really, really appreciate all the support. So thank you, and remember to keep it legal. Legal.